this sermon from Garden City Methodist Church. We want to invite you to worship with us each Sunday at 10.30 a.m., either in person or online. You can come to our beautiful sanctuary at 62 Varnado Avenue, Garden City, Georgia, or you can worship with us online as we stream our services at GardenCityUMC.com. Well, we are approaching, well not approaching, we're at the end of our series on the Sermon on the Mount. We have been in the same three chapters of Matthew all year long. And uh, Jesus, uh, we've just been focusing on the teaching of Jesus and, and these important words that he has to say for us. And so this week, we're going to try and wrap it up all in a nice good bow with the very last words that Jesus had on the Sermon on the Mount. So let's jump into it, shall we? Well, here we are in Matthew chapter 7, starting at verse 24, going through the end of the chapter. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on a rock. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Now when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I don't know if you've heard uh, the word deconstruction thrown around lately, uh, but it's, it's kind of a, a fad word in Christian circles right now. And people are talking about deconstructing their faith. And uh, there's different opinions about what that means. Uh, some people are walking away from their faith altogether. They're saying, well, the past few years have been so hard. Things have been challenging. I've been asking these questions about their faith, and I've deconstructed this house of faith until I've decided I don't even want to live in this house anymore. And so that they just leave the faith altogether. Some people uh, say, well, some of the stuff that I grew up believing doesn't make sense to me anymore, and I'm going to have to figure out what I believe and what I don't believe. And, and these people sometimes describe them as uh, going through a period of deconstruction where they, they deconstruct the things that they thought they believed, but they held on to Jesus, and then they built, reconstructed a new faith based on these new things that they've learned. And, and so their faith doesn't look like it did maybe while they were growing up or maybe as it did even a few years ago, but they have a faith that looks different and um, I guess suits them better. And so a lot of people are talking about deconstruction these days. Like I said, it's kind of a big topic of discussion in, in academic circles and maybe it's just on the internet, I don't know. But um, the thing about it is I think Jesus has something to say to us about this process of deconstruction. And I think he has something to say to us in this passage about it. And, and what I, when I realized when I was reading this and I was thinking about these issues surrounding deconstruction is that if you build your house on the sand, right? He's talking about there's one person that builds their house on the rock, this firm foundation, and one person builds it on the sand, 
which is for a person who builds it outside of the teachings of Jesus. If you're building your house on the sand, then your house is going to get deconstructed one way or another. Either it's because you're up there pulling at planks and, and trying to figure out what's wrong and how to build your house on a good foundation, or it's going to get destruct, deconstructed when the wind comes and knocks it over. One way or another, that house is not going to be left standing. So, if you built your house on the sand, maybe it's a good thing to deconstruct. Not to walk away from faith altogether, but to say, what is it about my faith that's not going to hold up to the storms of life? So that I can build it on this solid foundation instead of on the sand. You know, it's tricky too because until the storm comes, the two houses look pretty much the same. The house that's built on the sand looks like the house that's built on the rock. Maybe the house on the sand has nicer features. Maybe the house that's built on the sand has a bigger floor space. Maybe the house on the sand has a pool. You know, maybe the house on the sand has all kinds of nice features that the house on the rock doesn't have. They look the same. Maybe even better for the house on the sand until the storm comes. When the storm comes, that's the true test. The house on the rock stands up and the house on the sand falls down. That reminds me of a uh, Rich Mullins song. I shared this on our church Facebook group this week. If you're not in there, sometimes I share stuff like that. But there's this song from Rich Mullins called Home. And uh, I'm not going to sing it because I'm not Rich Mullins, but... The lyrics under part of the song, he says, Now the night is through and the storm is past, and everything that could be shaken is shaken, and all that remains is all I ever really had. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. He wants us to build a house that when everything gets shaken that could possibly get shaken, when the storms of life come, when the trials come, when it gets so hard, you don't know how you're going to wake up and get out of bed tomorrow, the stuff of your faith that lasts on that day is all you ever really had in the first place. Everything else is fluff. Everything else is stuff that could be gone, taken away. And so the question remains for us is simply, how do we build our house on the rock? How do we shore up our foundations to make sure that when the storms of life come, when, when adversity heads our way, and not just little inconvenient adversity, but the kind of adversity that you don't know how you're going to get through it comes. When that adversity comes, how can we build a faith that lasts through those storms? without losing faith altogether. The first thing that I think we need to do to, to realize this is we need to realize that the Sermon on the Mount is a gift. The words of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus are a gift to you and to me. You know, Jesus could have come to earth, minded his own business, not rocked the boat too much, then gone up and died for our sins and, gone to, and rose again and went to heaven without leaving us any teachings for how to live. We still would have owed him that. 
We still would have, would have been incredibly grateful to him for dying for our sins. But, but Jesus didn't just come to die for our sins and rise again. Jesus came to teach us how to live, to give us an example of life with God. He gave us the gift of his teachings. He gave us the gift of this Sermon on the Mount. He gave us the gift of showing us the upside-down way of the kingdom of God so that we could follow in his footsteps and live lives of faith that can withstand the storms of life. Y'all, he didn't have to do it. He didn't have to teach us. He didn't have to make sure it got recorded. Jesus did not have to give us this gift of his word, and yet he did. And how often do we treat these words of Jesus like a gift that we do not have gratitude for? How often do we just say, yeah, well, it's nice, I guess, and then just go on and live our lives however we want, instead of treating these words of Jesus like a precious gift that they are? So I think the first thing we need to do is realize that the Sermon on the Mount and the teachings of Jesus in general are a gift from him to us. So the second thing we need to do is take that gift seriously. Take the words that he had seriously. Allow them to matter to us. And, and we can make a faith that's going to withstand the storms of life by just keeping in mind the things that he taught. Now, this has been a, a three-month-long series, so I'm going to give you kind of a summary of the things that I'm taking away, the things that I'm taking away from the Sermon on the Mount, the things that, that I hope to build the rest of my faith on for the rest of my life. The first thing that, that I think we learned from the Sermon on the Mount is that we need to stay connected to our own brokenness. This is what the Beatitudes are about. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We, we need to stay connected to the ways in which we are broken as human beings so that God can fill those gaps, so that God can heal us. Stay connected with, with our own broken sinfulness so that we can trust Jesus to fill in the gaps. That's the first thing I'm going to take away. Never get so cocky, never get so prideful that I start to believe that I'm better off than I really am. That I've got my life together more than I actually do. Because Jesus said that I won't be blessed when I'm self-righteous. I'll be blessed when I'm hungry and thirsty for righteousness. I won't be blessed when I'm rich in spirit. I'll be blessed when I'm poor in spirit. I need to in order to be blessed from God, I need to stay connected with my lack and my brokenness and my shortcomings when it comes to that so that he can fill those gaps. The second thing that we need to, to realize and, and to keep with us, and, and it's kind of related to that, is to realize that righteousness, real righteousness, is beyond my grasp on my own. And this is what Jesus is saying in these, in these parts where he's like, you have heard it said... But I say to you, you know, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. But I say to you, if anyone who lusts in his heart has already committed to adultery. Uh, you have heard it said, do not murder. But I said, if you, if you get angry, you're being murdered. What Jesus is doing is showing that, that just 
towing the line of the letter of the law is not good enough. We have to follow the spirit of the law too. And nobody can live up to those standards unless Jesus intervenes, unless Jesus makes us holy, unless Jesus brings us along with that process of sanctification. And so Jesus says that he came not to destroy the law, but to fulfill the law. He did, not came, he did not come to make us to where we can fulfill the law on our own, but to show us how hopeless we are to follow the law on our own and then give us his spirit and his grace and his mercy to make up for our lack. So we stay connected to our brokenness. We realize that righteousness was beyond our grasp, but Jesus has fulfilled the law. The third thing I've learned from the Sermon of the Mount, is that I need to trust God more. This is where I'm, I'm getting through the, the, the Lord's Prayer. Is this, this prayer of trust that Jesus has got me. He's, got, he's going to give me my daily bread. He's going to forgive me. When, when Jesus is talking about serving God instead of mammon, serving God instead of wealth, we can trust that we can that God will fulfill our needs and we don't have to hoard up stuff for ourselves. We need to trust God and have a thriving prayer life that grows out of that trust for God. So we're staying connected to our brokenness. We're realizing that righteousness is out of our grasp on our own. We're trusting that God will take care of us. And the fourth thing that I'm learning is that when God says to love our neighbor as ourselves, he means it. He means it. When he says to love your enemies, he means it. When, when he says that we need to, to go the extra mile, even for people that drive us crazy, he means it. God, the, 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 the whole message of God is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And that is all the way through the Sermon on the Mount. And we are meant to take these teachings seriously and to ponder on them and to think on them and to reflect on them because they're a gift to us. So we realize the Sermon on the Mount is a gift. We take those words seriously, first by knowing what they are and reading them and going over them, and second by, by taking them seriously in our minds. The third thing that we need to do, and this is what Jesus is saying as a part of this, is we need to put them, those words into action. It's almost like, like dieting. I know the secret to losing weight. I know it. I know what it is. Expand more calories than you take in. It's the, there's, there's no silver bullet other than that. I know it, and I've known it for years. But I'm still fat because I don't want to do it. <laughs> you can know the truths of God. You can know the Sermon on the Mount all day long. But unless you're willing to do it, it's not going to build your house on the rock. Your house is still going to be on the sand. 
And we make all kinds of excuses to not have to follow Jesus. You know, Jesus uses a ton of hyperbole in the Sermon on the Mount. There's that part where he says, you know, it's better to cut off your arm than to have your right hand cause you to sin. Well, I don't think God really wants you to self-mutilate. That is hyperbole. But hyperbole is not an excuse for disobedience. You can't say, well, Jesus was just making a point here. Therefore, I don't actually have to not sin. No. He's making a point that you should take it more seriously than you do, not less seriously. We, we rationalize and we explain away our disobedience to the Sermon on the Mount so often because we think, well, you know, Jesus, I can't possibly live up to that, so I'm not even going to try. No. You can't possibly live up to that, so you need to rely on Jesus more. That's the solution. We need to take it more seriously, not less seriously. We need to put our follow-through into action, not just decide not to swing. You know, in golf, your follow-through is important. And it kind of doesn't make sense to me a little bit because the follow-through is everything that happens after you make contact with the ball. And you figure, after you make contact with the ball, the ball's already going to do this thing. Why does it matter what happens to my club after I make contact with the ball? But the thing is, if your follow-through is not right, then your swing up until you hit the ball is not going to be right either. It all makes a difference. If I don't intend to live out the words of Jesus, then I'm not going to interpret them and understand them correctly. If my follow-through is not there, then the whole swing is messed up. It's the same in our Christian life, too. So what do we do to make sure that our house is built on the rock and not built on the sand? I had a time of deconstruction not too long ago. Um, for those of you who don't know, my wife, Sarah Beth, had a, a, um, a problem with her heart a couple years ago, back in 2019. And um, I got to the point where I thought, well, I hope Sarah Beth doesn't die from this. Because if she dies, I don't think I can stand up in that pulpit and preach about a good God the following Sunday. I don't think my faith would stand up to that particular storm. And I realized something. I realized if I can't stand up in the middle of that storm and proclaim that Jesus is good, then I can't do it when the storm's not there either. I can't let my whole faith hinge on something bad not happening to me. I have to have faith whether the bad thing happens or not. Because if my faith depends on my wife sticking around, then it's not really a faith that's built on the rock. I'm making an admission. My faith is built on the sand. I'm just going to build my faith on the sand and hope the storm doesn't come. Well, that's not okay. That's not real faith. And so I had to do some hard work in the intervening years to say, what is it about my faith that that won't stand up to the storm, to that particular storm of life? How can, how can I get myself to where I can preach that God is good even if the worst thing happens? 
Because if I can't do that, then I need to quit and find something else to do. Well, I didn't quit. So I, I figured it out. But my faith had to be based on Jesus. It just it had to be. It had to be based on the testimony of Jesus, the goodness of Jesus, the fact that Jesus conquered death and invites us to conquer that as well, that we have hope in the face of death. That is what I had to build my whole faith on. And there's some stuff that I believed in 2018 that I don't believe now because it didn't make sense and my, it wasn't going to stand up to that storm. But I had to focus my faith on the words and the life and the testimony of Jesus Christ if it was going to make sense to me to move on. So my question for you today is, what's your faith built on? Are you coasting on traditions? Are you here because of rules? Are you, is your faith based on unexamined and unquestioned assertions that you've just received from others your whole life and never bothered to look into? Or is it built upon the solid rock of the teachings of God? Because none of us escape the storms of life. Nobody does. We cannot build our house on the sand and hope for the best. We just can't. We've got to build it on the rock. These three chapters in Matthew are the rock. The Sermon on the Mount is what Jesus said is a faithful thing to build our lives around, to build our faith around. And it's a gift. So what is your response to that gift today if your house is built upon the sand the best thing you can do is to get out your sledgehammer and to take it down and move it to the rock <laughs> right now before the storms do it for you and if your house is built upon the rock you can never build it good enough on the rock that you couldn't shore up that foundation a little better. So today, if, if you feel like your faith is built on sand, if you feel like you haven't taken the words of Jesus seriously, or if you haven't even thought about whether or not you take the words of Jesus seriously, I want to open up the altar to you to come and commit to building your house on the rock. The point of deconstruction should not be to leave your faith behind, but to move your faith to the solid rock where it will withstand every storm. And that solid rock is Jesus. Let's pray. Jesus, so often we try to coast by on our faith. And then when the storms of life happen and we don't understand what's going on. We bail because you weren't really there or we weren't really there with you. And I pray that you will take these teachings that we've learned this year so far 
you'll take this precious text that we've studied and ingrain it so deeply into us that we cannot imagine our lives without it. Give us the follow through to put these words into action and to live them out. Jesus, your word says that people responded because you taught with authority. God, put your authority to work in our lives. Help us to rearrange everything around your teachings so that we might have a solid rock faith. And give us grace along the way. In your name I pray, amen.